Thank you, Kyle. Your Bibles invite you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. You know, for about 21 years or so, the army used a slogan to help recruit individuals to join their ranks. And that slogan was, be all that you can be for the U.S. Army. Now, how many of, how many of our men and women in here today, how many of you went through boot camp or basic training? Raise your hand. Keep your, keep your hand up high. Man, I, I really wish I could just interview every one of you right now because you can tell this a whole lot better than I can. But, and obviously they went through it and they survived boot camp, okay? So give them a hand for surviving that, right? <laughs> one of the things that, as you go through boot camp, I've never gone through boot camp, so I'm just going by what I've heard and what I've read, okay? Um, it would probably wear me out. And the church said, okay. So as you go through boot camp, it is meant to break you down. It is meant to prepare everything about you. Your heart, soul, mind, body, all of it to be prepared and to get ready for the battle that you might face. And so as you are broken down, that's not meant for you to just say, I'm done and I quit. It's meant to, to build you up and to make you a stronger person and a stronger individually within your body and within your mind so you can believe that you can do anything that comes your way. Well, as you continue to look at that and you trans that to the life that we live as God's people. There are times as Christians that we face circumstances and situations that help develop, develop us mentally, physically, emotionally, and most importantly, spiritually. That's the whole idea of discipleship. The whole idea is taking up the cross denying what we want and taking on the form of Jesus. We're made in his image, but as we deny ourselves, what God wants us to do every day is to do what we can to become more and more like Jesus. We're conformed to be like him. And so as the soldier goes through all this combat training, He's tested, she's tested, and pushed to the limit, but it's necessary so that you can be ready for the battle that you're going to face. And I think the same thing is true for us as God's people, and that's really the context that we read about in 1 Peter chapter 1. You remember Peter opened this chapter, and he's addressing these great benefits that these believers enjoyed as a result of being in Christ. They were called and they were chosen by God. I mean, just that fact alone should help us to realize we're important people. We're special people, not because of who we are, but because of how God 
designed us. He designed us with the idea in mind that he wants us to deny ourselves, to give ourselves away to him. And so think about it. He created us, and the moment that we are born, as we begin to grow up and as we begin to mature, the very God who created us, you know what he longs for us? He longs for us to give our lives back to him. But you think about it. The moment you're born, you have free will. You have the choice to decide, am I going to one day make Jesus Lord of my life and live for him, or will I conform and just be the person that I want to be and not the person that God wants me to be? There's a big difference. And as we read Scripture, one of the things that we see is that God designed us just as He is holy. He longs for His children to be holy as well. And so some of the benefits, the context that Peter's referring to about this great salvation, there in chapter 1, verses 2 through 12, he describes this by all of these important phrases, the sanctifying work. We've been sprinkled by his blood. We have this great mercy and this new birth. We have an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. We have this great salvation. And therefore, because we have such an awesome and precious salvation, Peter is urging the readers then and even trying to awaken us to realize that we need to live out our lives with holiness and serious purpose. And so, look in 1 Peter 1, beginning in verse 13. He says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children... Do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He's chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Did you hear that? He's chosen before the creation of the world, but he's revealed in these last times for your sake. And through him, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and hope are in God. Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God, 
For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. And we know the word of God is powerful, right? And every time the word of God is proclaimed, every time it is preached, every time it is taught, and it goes out, it never returns empty. Do you hear that? Every time it's preached, do you know the power there? The power there is we just need to get out of the way and leave more room for God and His Word. And as we send it out, we never know the good that it will do. That is the power of God. That is the power that is at work even in our lives. And so you know from Scripture, anytime you see the word, therefore, what's the right question to ask? You even ask this in school. What is it there for? Right? Okay? We laugh about that. Let's ask that question this morning. Why, did, why is it there? What is it there for? And so notice what Peter says. Prepare your minds for action. Now if you go back and look at the literal expression, it's pretty interesting what it means. I love the King James Version here because it says, Gird up the loins of your mind. So people in the first century, they would wear these long outer garments. And it was, when it was time to take a walk or when it was time to go to work, they would roll up the outer garments and they would tie the end of their garments around the waist. That, that's your loins or your kidney area so as to keep them from getting in the way. And so Peter is saying in an interesting way, you give your full attention to these matters. Now, why do we do that? Well, just before that, he had talked about this great salvation that we had, a salvation that the prophets had, that the apostles shared, that the angels, you remember them? They just longed to look into these things. But we have this awesome salvation. And so Peter says, you need to give full attention to it. And not only do you need to give full attention to it, but the way that you do that, you prepare your minds. Go back to boot camp. You got to get your mind ready for action. You got to practice it. You got to get your mind ready so if the battle, if the war really comes and you're involved in it, you're ready. Because at that time, it's too late to look at somebody and say, What do we do now? We've got to be ready. And the same thing is true in a spiritual sense. We've got to give full attention to these matters. And so, he says you've got to be self-controlled. And you've got to set your hope fully on the grace given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. And here's what that looks like. In verse 14, he says, As obedient children... Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Now we know we've been transformed. We've been changed 
to live a totally different life, right? But just, the, just as we've been transformed, guess what? The temptation every day is to conform. The temptation every day, regardless of our age, is to blend in and conform to those like us. We know that temptation. I mean, our kids face that pressure every day, especially during junior high and high school years. You ask them. They'll be honest with you. Do you have pressure, guys? told them this morning I wasn't going to pick on them, but I changed my mind. Do, we ha- do you have pressures? Yes. Thank you. Adults, do we have pressures? Oh, but as adults, we don't like to admit it, do we? Do we have pressures, church? The pressure is there to just blend in. The pressure is just to kind of fit in. It's never to stand out. And Satan controls that. Satan is the father of that. Just blend in. Just look like everybody else and it'll be okay. We face that pressure from a culture and a society where God and Jesus shouldn't even be mentioned. I mean, instead of calling it prayer, what do we call it? A moment of silence. I'm sorry, call it what it is. You bow your heads in prayer. Right? And you know what I love? I love the fact that we have teachers in our county that are not afraid to pray for their kids in school, in the classroom. I love to see the fact that we have our own kids that are not afraid to lead that time when they have special moments at school, they rise up and take leadership and pray. As obedient children, as holy children, we're not afraid to pray. We don't conform, but we're transformed. And so we have this pressure to make moral compromises for the sake of business. And culture places a strong pressure on us as Christians and even non-Christians alike to stay within the norm. And the pressure to conform was there. I mean, it was there constantly in Peter's day. And you know what? What goes around comes around. There's nothing new under the sun as we see in Scripture. It is still there, isn't it? It's still present. Don't be surprised by that. But notice what happens. In Romans chapter 12, here's what Paul says. He says, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That's your spiritual act of worship. Verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. 
Don't conform any longer, he says, to the ways of the world, to the pattern of it. Because when you conform to something, that's all you're doing. You're just trying to blend in and make yourself go after that particular form or fashion or whatever it is. Just conform, just make yourself be like that. Instead of realizing the goal that God has for us is not to conform, but to be transformed. And as we live that kind of life, Paul says it, Peter says it, that's being holy. That's living a holy life just as God wants you to do. And so we conform to that which has the most influence over us. For example, little children, you know what they do? They watch older people. They watch us. And so little children, they begin to imitate especially what their parents do. And sometimes it's kind of humorous, right? We laugh about it. And then somebody will say, well, where did little Johnny learn that? And our moms are real good to say their dad taught it to them, right? It's never the mother that teaches it. It's always the dad. But our little children watch. And they conform to the pattern that they see from us parents. Well, then another thing happens. Teenagers tend to be like their friends and to just kind of fit in like everybody else. And at work, as older people, we model ourselves after others. But too often, here's what happens. We adopt values that are absolutely foreign to Jesus Christ and His Lordship for our life. And Peter says, as obedient children, do not conform any longer to the ways of this world. Is that a challenge each and every day? Yes, it is. And so, as Christians who are just blending into our surroundings, rather than bringing salt and light, as Jesus talks about on the Sermon on the Mount, that challenge continues, don't conform to the evil, but lean to your Father's holy nature and become like Him in all ways. You see, here's the truth of it. God didn't save us to be happy. He saved us to be holy and to live a holy life. And when you continue to look at that, you begin to see that the whole purpose of God in the story of redemption, look at this, is to make us holy and to restore us to the image of God. Now, in our vision for the next 10 years, we've said it like this, we want to help restore all things. In other words, whenever something becomes broken, we want to be the channel, we want to be used by God to help bring restoration and reconciliation back to a lost and broken world. Is that not the story of Scripture? I mean, look at the whole story of Scripture. You see broken people, and you see a holy God doing all that He can and enabling us and gifting us as his children to no longer 
conform, but to realize the whole essence of the story of redemption is to buy us back, to bring us back into relationship with God. That's what I love about the Old Testament. As people wander away from God, and boy, they did it with everything, didn't they? What is God doing? He's doing everything in His power. He's doing everything under His might, not to give up on them, but to go after them and to bring us back. And the good news for us, when we become broken people, that's when God does the best work in our lives. But that's hard, isn't it? Because, boy, we're tough. Now, you go through boot camp, basic training, it'll break you down, right? Those that have gone through it can attest to that. What do you and I need on a daily basis? What do we need to realize that we need to stop conforming And we need to live a transformed life. When you live a transformed life, that's being holy, as God is holy. When you're loving one another, church, look around this morning. When you're loving each other and you realize that the people on the other side of the room, they're part of your family. When they hurt, you hurt. When you rejoice, you rejoice with them. We're all in this together. And when we do that, and when we put that into practice, it's one thing to sing about it, it's another thing to live it out. That's being holy people as God is holy. And so what we pray is that as we learn this new nature, as we learn this, that it just becomes second nature to us. Let me give you an example. I want you to go back to the days when you learned to ride a bicycle. Remember what that was like? pretty scary when you first got on it right it's pretty scary when mom and dad let go and see how far you can go I mean it's wonderful with the training wheels because you can kind of go to the left or right and hopefully those wheels on the back they're going to catch you and you're not going to fall and skin your knee or your face or whatever and you're going to be okay but the day that those training wheels come off you remember what it was like pretty scary but you remember what it was like when you just kept on pedaling and you realized, I'm not falling yet. This is neat. This is kind of fun. Well, eventually it just becomes second nature to you. So you get on a bike now that we've grown up a little bit. Go back to your childhood. Training wheels aren't there, but it's second nature to you because you learned it. And you put that into practice. When I was about 10 years old, Dad bought me a guitar. I started playing the guitar. I learned the basic chords on the guitar. Yesterday, I was with a friend, and he was playing his guitar, and he he handed it to me, and I was like, oh, my goodness. There's no way I can play like that guy. He said, here, strum it, play it. I went back to the basic chords. It's second nature. I don't forget it because it's something that I learned years ago. 
in a spiritual sense, as God's children, we have to learn new ways. We learn and develop new habits. We learn how to act and how to react in a way that is pleasing to God. When we do that, we're being obedient children. When we do that, we're not only being obedient, but we're living a holy life just as God is holy. And our prayer is that it just becomes second nature. Not that we're going to be perfect at it, but we're better at it day by day because we've learned and we've put into practice what that looks like. And all along, you know what we need and what we stand in need of to help us with that? God's grace and His mercy. They're new every day, every morning. And by His grace and His mercy, we can strive to become the person that God wants us to be much easier. We're not left on our own. He gives us those things. That's powerful to help us realize we really can become holy people like God. May we seek to become the person that God desires for us. He is the standard of holiness. It's his very nature. He is unique in his holiness. And because he is holy, all of his attributes are holy. And so whatever we think of as belonging to God must be thought of as holy. And so in that pursuit of living a holy life, what we do every day is we just surrender our life to the fellowship of Jesus Christ. And we become more and more like him. Scott Underwood in a contemporary praise chorus, he writes these words. And I want you to, to see these as we close today. Holiness. Holiness is what I long for. Holiness is what I need. Holiness, holiness is what you want from me. And this next part, let's read this together. Take my heart and form it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my will, conform it to yours, to yours, O Lord. May we strive to do that and to be holy just as he is holy every day. We're going to stand to sing a song of invitation. And as we sing this song, I want you to think about your own life. And I want you to think about how he longs for you to be like him in all that you do. Let's stand as we sing this song.